Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, legends? Welcome back to another episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I have an absolute cracker for you today. I was very fortunate to sit down and have a a really good conversation with Dr. Buzz Minjin. Now, I was fortunate enough to connect with Buzz uh, a few months ago. I think it was maybe even towards the end of 2021. Um, and even in our few conversations that we've we've uh, we've had, I've already learned so much from him. For those of you who don't know who who Buzz is. Um, he's a health coach who really works with people, um, especially high-level people like entertainers, athletes, high-level CEOs, lawyers, doctors, and the rest of it, but has content that helps absolutely everybody, right? So the, the stuff that we talk about in this episode today is not just for those people who are doing well in life. This is for absolutely anyone who suffers a lot of stress, is struggling to, to see the physiological change that they want to see in their body. Um, and I think everyone that's tuning in right now has some level of stress in their life, so it's going to be beneficial for everyone. Um, but, you know, he calls himself the stress doctor and with very good reason. We dive into that topic today in this episode. Buzz gives us ways to deal with stress, you know, the physiological effect it has on our bodies um, on, on a deeper level, even cellular level. He also gives us some tools that we can start to use in the moment to reduce our stress levels, some breath work techniques that are going to help us reduce our cortisol levels, help us lose more body fat, uh, and just in general, improve the quality of our life. So a big thank you to Buzz for joining me on this episode. I know you're going to absolutely love it. And if you do enjoy today's show, I'd love for you to take a screenshot, post it up on Instagram story, tag myself, tag Buzz, check out all his social notes and if you are listening to this before the 4th of April there is also uh, a link in the show notes as Buzz mentions towards the end of this episode where he's doing a free workshop that I'm sure you'll all take a lot of value away from so for now just sit back relax and enjoy this conversation with Buzz hope you guys enjoy it thanks so much for listening Dr. Buzz welcome to the fitness and lifestyle podcast mate It's it's a pleasure to have you on here and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today man yeah, I appreciate you, Dan. You're the uh, you're Dan the man. Everyone in uh, where I'm from, everyone has a nickname or a brand name. So you're <laughs> Dan the man. I don't mind. Dan the mind. man. <laughs> how are you, man? Anyway, so we're, we're briefly just talking about how obviously now that COVID's starting to settle down a little bit, um, things are ramping back up for for most people across around the world. Um, what's what's life looking like for you at the moment? Yeah, you know. The COVID was weird. It was, um, it taught my team and I a lot of um, very unique, it created a lot of unique possibilities for us because whereas I was traveling all over the world, trying to get to all of my clients, um, I have, I, you know, I, I work with a lot of high ticket clients, mm. entertainers, athletes, doctors, big time lawyers, CEOs of companies. All of a sudden I had to learn how to use um, Zoom. <laughs> and it became the greatest tool. Like my team and I are so much more efficient together. We're more organized than we ever have because we're not carrying files and folders everywhere. And, um, but it is busy because all the entertainers are going back on tour and the athletes are back in action. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's not overwhelming. It's just been, it's been tight, but you know, being structured is the name of the game. Things are tight. Yeah, structure, systems, they all play such a big role. I mean, for, for the listener or whoever's watching or listening at the moment, 
Um, you know, I think going on to you know, maybe one of your social media profiles, having a look at your website and whatnot, and even just kind of hearing uh, in the intro to this episode about some of the work you do, I think there'd be a lot of people interested in what that might look like, um, you know, working with, say, an individual artist for a period of time or, or like you said, a big-time lawyer, CEO, whatever it may be. On it, on like in its most simple form, like from start to, I guess, finish, or maybe it's ongoing, like what does your, your work look like with that individual um, from kind of start to finish from that, that that's, first that's kind a of really that's a great question. So, uh, you know, I, I, I specialize with stress because, uh, and it wasn't always that way, but I, I chose that over the last few years because no body to send people to who are very stress specific and being a clinician. So I'm vetted in neuroscience and brain health and orthomolecular labs and gut health and mental health and all that. And when I, when, when a client comes to me, the first thing I try, I try, I, I almost beg some of my clients is I, I want to get labs on people. I do orthomolecular labs. It's not regular blood work. So there's, you know, it's, if, if there's any blood, it's blood spotting, you know, it's a little blood spotter yeah. on a piece of paper. There's five ways we do orthomolecular labs, which I do for almost all my clients, urine, saliva, hair tissue, and mineral analysis, fecal matter, and blood, and blood spot. And they all go, I, I send the kit to them and to their home. They get it done. They send it to the lab. And bam, we get this really cool profile to know why a person is struggling the way that they're struggling. Now, do I have any clients that didn't have to go through that? A few. I mean, but it's like 10%. I really try yeah. to test because in the world of just mental health, Dan, and you know how this works. It's like if you have a client that comes to you for personal training and you say, hey, so I want to make sure all week long you did all the workout. Yeah, 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 I did it all. And let's say you're not getting the results that you wanted. You're expecting that this person is talking true to you. You know, they're yeah. being honest. See, when the clients, when I get them, they're so stressed out. They're so overwhelmed. And I, and I work with some really fascinating, even the corporate people, billionaire people, you know, multi-gazillionaire people. And it's not that I don't take on the average person. Like I'm the average mm. person. I do. But the reason why I bring them up is because they're the sickest people. The, the higher the profile, the sicker they are, the longer they go without getting treatment. So the first thing I do is I try to assess, very simple to do. I send the labs at our house, they send them into the laboratory and I get the results in two to three weeks. In the meantime, my number one intervention, and I say this everywhere and I was so excited, Dan, because someone just said it to me um, in a training I was doing and they said, number one intervention is structure. And I said, oh my God, where did you hear that? Because I always say that. They said, oh, we heard it from you. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I structure everybody, get them yeah. on a schedule. People need to be in bed by a certain time. Like, you know, you're big weightlifter exercise guy. Could you imagine your body trying to do what you do regularly and you're not on a structured mm, yeah. sleep schedule? Like how does- It becomes extremely difficult, doesn't it? There's no recovery of your yeah. brain. Your brain and literally nutritionally restores itself every single night. So what pe most people don't realize is that your brain also has to get rid of a significant amount 
of cranial cervical fluid. And if you don't get rid of that, that fluid stays in your brain and it's called pooling. And that toxicity over years period of time can actually cause dementia. So we, we see this a lot with pro athletes. But even above and beyond that restful sleep, getting up in the morning, same time every day. I mean, I got up so early this morning. My whole family's asleep. And five is a typical for me. I got up at 3 a.m. this morning, started on my work, knocked it out, went out, did my field work at different corporations and such. But I felt great. You know, and when I'm working with clients, that trajectory that you're asking about is always about how do we structure your life so your body and your brain know exactly what to expect. Mm-hmm. Any unexpected occurrence, activity, insult, perception causes stress to your body. It just the body is not the body is just not okay with that. It's not it becomes reactive to unfamiliar triggers, to familiar triggers that are just overwhelming to the body or the brain. And then lastly, to have them randomly, randomly be affecting you is the worst. When you can anticipate, at least you can prepare for uh, to a certain degree. But, you know, <laughs> but so for the average person, you know, you know, we're talking about sleep, diet, and appetite. You know, sleep, diet, and exercise. You yeah. know, just basic stuff. When when you talk about structure, specifically for someone who does have a lot on their plate, let's say it's an entertainer or, or a professional athlete. I'm assuming there's only so much structure you're able to to place in their life. Let's say you've an entertainer who's who's doing a world tour or a national tour or whatever it may be. I mean, there's got to be a lot of things that are going to happen from a day to day that are maybe not unexpected, but very miscellaneous, like very different from day to day. Every day is not going to look the same. So I guess what are the key things? Is it the sleep, the nutrition, the exercise that you structure for someone like them? And then the rest is kind of, you just give them tools to deal with that external stress? Yeah, I mean, I built one entertainer's schedule out for five years ahead of time. So, huh. you know, we, we knew three years and three months into the year at three o'clock on a certain day, <laughs> what this person was going to be doing between two o'clock and 5 p.m. I mean, Crazy. now- as you go into the week, we can move things a little bit in those brackets. But it was really what I learned, it was really the safest way for this particular person and group for, for them to be able to thrive. And it's funny because the first bit of feedback I got from uh, the team was, this is going to be so boring. And I said, <laughs> how how could a tour be boring? And they were like, you know, that's a really good point. Yeah, it won't be boring. And I said, your body needs to know when your nutrition's coming, when you're going to be resting. Here's another one. When you're going to be pooping. Bowel movements are hugely, hugely important. You don't get that toxicity out of your body. I always tell everybody, your body absorbs all the nutrition it needs through its micronutrients, through your small intestine, well, through your gut and small intestine. Anything that's not nutritional has got to come out and you got to get it out of you, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but your body needs to know when is that going to happen? Even drinking water. Most people drink water when they eat. You should be drinking water on a schedule. You should take your supplements on a schedule. So it is, I'm very, I'm not rigid and regimented. I am structured and predictable. So I like to pivot. And we do this thing, Dan, called um, flex time, which you'll appreciate because I do this a lot with personal trainers. 
So when someone has a really intense schedule, like a lot of my doctors that I treat that are just not well, I mean, I work with a lot of doctors who are just stressed. Stress is a killer. So then what happens is they start eating the wrong things. So pizza is the number one. And if you're going to be a pizza eater, you're going to be a soda drinker. If you're not a soda drinker, you'll be a Dunkin' Donuts coffee with lots of artificial sweeteners drinker. That's typically how it goes. And the first thing they eliminate from their diet is water. Mm-hmm. First thing. So then the next thing that happens is they need their frontal lobes, their prefrontal cortex, which gets faded. It's not available to you when you're under stress and you're eating lots of carbs, lots of starches, lots of um, salt, lots of sugar. So then what happens is, I can tell you, I have a couple doctors I've worked with for years. You know, Adderall. Adderall became, the, you know, mm-hmm. the drug of choice. So take Adderall in the morning and then it's five-hour energy or it's three Red Bulls. And, yeah. and you can already hear from this, like, already if I was listening to this podcast, I'd be saying, Where's, where are those doctors? Because I don't want them working on me, you know? 100%, yeah. Scary, right? And it catches so, up to you, right? Like if you're, if you're just continually suppressing the, the issue by using things like maybe whatever it may be, Adderall, caffeine, whatever, it's going to eventually catch up to you in some way or another. Always. Oh, it's inevitable, right? Mm. It's like lifting the wrong way. You know, yeah. eventually this guy's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. He's just not doing it right. Your shoulders can't support that kind of weight. Something's going to happen. And that's exactly, and it's not about I'm not saying as, as if this type of community is super irresponsible. It's not about that. It's about what are people willing to do to continue to try to cope? Yeah. You know, so think about people in bad marriages. They're in a toxic marriage, but yet they won't go for marriage counseling. I, I'm, I'm pushing people all the time into marriage counseling. And I have people I recommend, and I'm always online looking up LinkedIn. Hey, you're in Australia. You're a marriage counselor. Oh, man, do I need you? Because I have people, you know, I, I don't want to do it. That's not my area of specialty, mm-hmm. but that could be very stressful for somebody. And then from a, they, they don't cope. From a, uh, from a physio, before we kind of, because I want to touch on some ways that, that, you know, tools that people can use to, to deal with along with the structure and the, the nutrition training and sleep and stuff, like some tools that people can use to help minimize or at least reduce the stress and cortisol. What uh, physiologically, just so people get an understanding of this, like from a, a deeper level, I guess, what actually happens to our bodies when they're under deep stress, like when cortisol levels are super high? Like what's the, I guess, the physiological response that which some people probably experience on a daily basis, but just don't actually understand what it is? It's, it's, it's really the same with everybody. And, and, um, and it's hard for people to wrap their minds around it, but, when your body perceives that you're tired, your body perceives that things just aren't right, your body perceives suspicion, your body perceives, I use the word leverage, you're being leveraged. Leverage means if and then. If I'm late for my job, then I might get fired. That's leverage. When okay. your body is taken on an insult, insult meaning like you're sick and you're just, and you're pushing yourself because you can't take off from work. I'm using that as an example. Your body immediately sends takes in a signal and sends it to the relay station in your brain called the thalamus the thalamus within a millisecond has to do something with that information it'll send information to the thinking part of the brain to try to evaluate what should i do but if the threat the leverage the the the, the insult is just too extreme 
it'll fire the signal down to your endocrine system mm -hmm. and then immediately activates your adrenal glands. Your adrenal glands fire off a stress hormone called cortisol and cortisol immediately results in pushing a surge of glucose, which is sugar, into your bloodstream. So anybody who gets that strength from glucose, which if you watch the Mike Tyson fight, you know, the more that he would get tired, the, the stronger he would become. Mm -hmm. You watch pro, pro athletes, on a, even in, even in um, European soccer, you know, because we have American soccer and then we, uh, and we have American football, you know. So yeah. but if it's like soccer with a soccer ball, yeah. you know, you get, you get guys that are tripping each other and they're pushing each other. That's, that's, that's the cortisol pushing that glucose. And people, what happens is you get increased blood flow to your limbs, your hands and your feet. So in America, they call it fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And it makes yeah. sense because your flight is blood flow to your feet with a, with a surge of glucose it makes people run. And if it goes to your hands, it makes you grab, tear, punch, something yeah. like that. So the sympathetic but, and parasympathetic nervous system. So right that's there. the sympathetic, exactly. So yeah. in your sympathetic, you notice, here's one, Dan. So for your weightlifting people that I know who you train and appreciate your tools, when someone's laying on the bench and they're going to do their first rep, what do they do? They lay there and they go... And they take yeah. that deep breath. If you yeah. notice, they don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're not breathing through their nose like they're running a long distance race, right? Yeah. Because when you breathe through your mouth, you get cold air that comes into your chest, which makes it harder to get it into your lungs, which okay. raises stress hormones. Yeah. So immediately your cortisol goes up. That's why we do this. <laughs> It's just like what you would do if you were drowning in water. Yeah. Sorry, it's same exact gasping, thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we call that labored breathing. And the goal is to become what we call rhythmic breathers, where you breathe in through your nose, out your nose. Because when you're able to breathe in through your nose, out your nose, it, re it reduces the chances of your endocrine system being involved and glucose being pushed through your bloodstream. So the common thread with people who are under a lot of stress is they're pushing so much glucose okay. that now they're putting on weight. Now, I listen to a lot of nutritionists talk about, and even people with COVID and wellness coaches, they all talk about the same thing. Well, when you're sitting around doing nothing, you have a tendency of eating. When I, had, when I was in uh, COVID, I was sitting around, couldn't go anywhere. I wasn't eating mm -hmm. because I knew that that food was bad for me. But when I was stressed and you have all the sugar, what does sugar in your bloodstream want? Sugar. More sugar. Yeah. That's the bottom line. It is brutally painful when you are stressed and you have high levels of sugar that is looking for what we call fermentation. It wants sugar to work off of sugar. Mm -hmm. It wants to colonize in your body and you want to keep your sugar levels up. And unfortunately, the more that you're under stress, Here's the killer. When your body gets stressed, your, your gut cuts off um, and reduces blood flow and oxygen to your gut. So what happens is your microbiome gets then destroyed because you're not giving it the right amount of oxygen and blood flow. 
So what ends up happening, Dan, is that people then get, you know, they get um, like, you know, stressed to the gut. They get gassy. They get burning. And we see this with like people who are like a public speaker. You ever notice to always have a glass of water when they're speaking? It's not because they're thirsty, because their mouths get dry. Because when your gut lacks blood flow and oxygen, your hydration leaves your head and your mouth and travels down to your gut to go rescue your gut, which is why people's mouths get dry. That's why we always give speakers, public speakers, a bottle of water, not because they're thirsty. Because the cortisol is causing the the dryness, yeah. So the cortisol goes up. It signals the release of sugar. The sugar activates strength through the body. It restricts your breathing, your vascular system, Mm -hmm. which then makes it harder to do things, but you have strength. And that's why people overreact with stress. They fly off the handle. Mm. They're all fired up. And the more the people are that way, the less they're going to sleep because those the sugar levels stay up, your cortisol levels stay up, and you're, you become a non-sleeper. And so, it's very sad. Yeah, 100%. So you touched on the, you know, because I want to I go into some of the tools that we can use, like, at that current, the current time of stress, of noticing that you're stressed and, and that things are out of whack. Like, you mentioned the rhythmic breathing, which, which is a really interesting one. And, you know, when you and I spoke about this a couple of months ago, it was something that I started to implement straight away for myself and for my clients as well. I found that super interesting, but outside of the, the rhythmic breathing, like really focusing on the inhale and, you know, ideally the exhale out of the nose as well. What are some of the tools that you use with yourself or with your clientele um, in the moment to help reduce stress as, as quickly as possible or as effectively so this as just, possible? This just happened hours ago. I'm working in a corporate place, rebuilding a company, they always say it's, I'm, I'm a corporate wellness coach, but what I end up doing is finding out 99% of the time there's a management issue, there's a leadership issue. So then you have poor communication and then there's poor direction. And so in this place that I was just in today, everyone's a mess. Everyone's falling apart. Everyone's at each other. And I had a couple mediations bringing people together and it was amazing because they're saying, God, I really thought you hated me. No, I don't hate you. It just... You know, I didn't think you were getting enough done. And why didn't you say something? Well, I tried to, but you're like biting my head off, right? So you can see there's all the stress hormone stuff flying through the office. Mm-hmm. So, so when I was in there, while I'm mediating a bunch of these situations, and this is a new location for me, I realized I had a deadline that was coming up for a meeting that was within a half hour. And I felt my own stress like, oh, man. And I was prepared for it. Physically, like I had my stuff. Yeah. There was just so much emotion all day. I didn't have a moment. And now I knew this meeting was coming and I have a couple people that were ready to, I know a couple people were ready to kind of come on strong to me and challenge me on some things. So I was, I just was, I was getting tired while they were revving up. Yeah. So I immediately took a walk a half mile down the road and a half mile back. It took me the full 30 minutes. I came walking in, I'm wearing the same shirt, and I was sweaty. And someone says, where did you go? You were gone for like 30 minutes. I said, I had to go take a walk. And they were like, where did you? I said, oh, I went all the way down to this traffic like this. I said, that's like a mile walk. And I said, it was a mile. Why? And I was breathing. So here's the key. When you breathe in through your nose, the air becomes humidified. And it gets into your chest and your lungs easier. 
Right. And when the humidi- when your when the air is humidified, your vascular system doesn't become restricted. It stays loose. Okay. Restricted is like trying to suck like a, a, a baseball through a garden hose. You know what I mean? It's just like not going to happen, right? <laughs> so we want people to be loose, and that's what I was feeling. I could feel in my chest, and I was trying to breathe, and I saw I felt myself using my mouth. And you know what? I knew these couple people were going to come at me strong. They're not being rude or ignorant. They just have gripes about the company. Everyone is mad and everyone thinks they have an answer. Mm-hmm. But no one but no one really knows how to manage anything. It's just yeah. a management issue. So by walking, I breathe I was breathing in 3 seconds in through my nose, but in order to reduce your cortisol levels so you're not getting surges of glucose you have to breathe out of your nose twice as long as you were breathing in. That's the million dollar ticket. So when people like, I just, I just fought. I'm a, I'm a, I'm not an MMA guy. I've been a martial arts my entire life, entire life, 40 years, you know, and I just was in a full contact competition in Atlantic city, New Jersey, um, just in January. And before the, before the fight took place, and people from all over the world flew in for this thing, it was huge. You know, I'm in the ring using a technique called havening. Yeah, where I'm breathing in through my that. nose for three seconds. And then breathing out of my nose for six seconds. And when I'm doing this, and my wife got me on video doing it in the ring, while I'm waiting for my opponent to come in, <laughs> it really looked strange. I watched it myself on the video. I was like saying to myself, I wonder what this guy was thinking about me. Would have thrown him off. Thrown him off for sure. I know if I was watching somebody do it, I'm like, what? <laughs> so explain you know, to, I was so explain, calm, man. Explain calm. to me the, the, I guess, the physiological response or reasoning behind like the havening so for those that are listening uh buzz is basically doing the the inhale and the exhale through the nose but then at the same time like i guess what like touching your face like running your hand down your face using your fingertips and your palms from your hairline to your jawline so the two doctors who discovered this dr ronald and stephen rudin two two medical doctors they were doing a lot of brain um, imaging and brain scans and reading a lot of data with quantitative EEG and realized that when people had the sense of touch to the head, to the shoulders, to the elbows, or on the hands, that it immediately took high frequency brain waves and leveled them out to make them slow frequency. Wow. So instead of being in a gamma uh-huh. frequency, you would go into a delta frequency. So when you really understand sleep cycle, particularly the circadian rhythm, yep. could be a whole nother podcast we can do yeah. one night. Yeah. You know, sure. they, we know that you got to go into a delta rhythm in order to get restful sleep. So when you do this, they call it havening. They created this. They noticed when people were wearing the, the equipment that the brain waves that were here, even in a seizure pattern, the second you would stroke them, would go into a delta pattern. Level out. Interesting. So we then started studying massage, like people who are getting massage, giving massages. Mm-hmm. We noticed that it wasn't the deep tissue push or manipulation. It was the stroking. It was the sensory sensation yeah. of 
these neurons. So what happens is it raises serotonin, it raises dopamine, it raises GABA. So you're talking about your reward system, your feel-good system, and your what's and we call anxiety prevention system, what your resilience to worry. And then when those three chemicals rise, you get a push of oxytocin, which is another hormone that makes people want to hug. We call it the huggable yeah. hormone. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So you'll notice if you do it with a dog, when you pet a dog, a lot of times they'll want to lick you. <laughs> yeah. It's a huggable hormone. You have an oxytocin moment. Right out so, the big fella in a second. Yeah, yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. I remember seeing this. Uh, maybe it was on a a video a while back with Bieber or something like that. He he was uh, must have obviously been in quite a stressed state and. I remember seeing some footage of you and him. Yeah, I trained Justin on this. No one even heard of this technique yet. And I I said to Justin, listen, I'm not going to, you know, we're so close. Like, man, he's just such a good guy. He's amazing. And he's all about wellness. He's a huge Christian. And I was afraid that if he didn't have a tool that he could use for himself, like what happens if I'm not around? And I just couldn't. I have five kids. I can't be. I can't have that kind of responsibility on me and I want him to be independent. And he was like, just give me the tools. So we use that as our primary tool with him calming in his breathing and, and grounding himself. Where am I? What do I smell? A lot of times we break up. I do this for athletes the most. We break. You'll love this. We smell, we, we spray something that people can smell when they're having what's called a stress reaction. So imagine you're in a delta function, which is very calm. You're ready to go to sleep, and the smoke alarm goes off in your house, and you smell Mm -hmm. smoke. You then go into this gamma, right, which is like high polar, like almost like bipolar. So bipolar disorder is a dysrhythmia dysrhythmia of your thalamus. So are seizures. Right. That's what right. people go into when they're stressed. It's the yep. same cycle. Well, we noticed that if you can immediately catch yourself and just use a stroking on your body, you can bring it down to a delta so people can focus and then they can plan. So, you know, people like Justin, they need tools. They're on the road. You know, people, listen, you know, I, I have a couple of big entertainers out in Australia as well. People are all over these entertainers. They don't get a break. They're in their, they're in their business. Mm-hmm. You know, someone's tired. They want to just go in their house and take, go to sleep. And you got 50 people outside your gate yeah. trying to take pictures or they're saying not nice things. Or you lay down on your couch to go get a nap and then you see something posted about you terrible on Instagram or whatever. So those tools, like Justin's the man, Justin like nailed it. And he's just such a responsible, he's the ambassador, man, of being a responsible wellness um, advocate. He's just a fascinating guy who's just super, super responsible. At the same time, when we were, when when I'm working with like pro athletes, let's say pro basketball, Mm -hmm. the guys at the foul line. So you'll love this, Dan. This is so good for you. Guys at the foul line, he goes to take a foul shot. But what happens when there's only three seconds on the clock and if you miss the shot, you lose the game? The well, your stress well. hormones go up. Yeah. The problem is when your cortisol levels go up, your prefrontal cortex is less available to you. 
In order to get your prefrontal cortex back, you got to reduce your, your cortisol levels. So what does every basketball player do before they shoot a foul shot? Watch. They take a deep breath. Yeah, yep. Because it brings their cortisol down and they can think clearer and, and your prefrontal cortex controls your motor coordination. Right. So this is what they do. They go, when I'm training these guys, I tell them, Breathe in for three, breathe out for six. 99% of the time, they only want to breathe out their mouth. They would do better by breathing out their nose. So inhale and exhale through their nose? No one wants to breathe through their nose. You got to breathe through your nose. You know, listen, can it still work breathing through out your mouth? The answer is yes. It works better with, and then through your nose. It's the humidity, when you humidify the air, that humidified air, the temperature allows things to flow easier. So your vascular system and your vitals stay calm. But the key here is even then I'll have guys, they'll take a deep breath. They'll say to themselves, I'm still not right. They'll bounce the ball again and try it again. What I tell them second time, get the ball up to your nose and smell the leather of the ball. The human brain and your endocrine system can't have a stress reaction and access the sense of smell simultaneously. At the same time. Mm. It immediately drops it. You got a window of like a second. So they'll go and then, and then take the shot. And then shoot. Yeah. What, what's the similarities between, or I guess the difference between, say, the um, the habiting technique and something like a what's another example? Say, for example, like the 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 Wim Hof breathing method, where you're doing almost the opposite, where you're doing like the long inhale and the short exhale, and almost hyperventilating, and then the process of holding the breath and and whatnot. Like, what's the difference between the two? And is is that type of breathing technique something that that you I guess believe in or think works? Love that. So the one off, you know, the problem is when people are feeling desperate, it means their stress is already up. So when someone says stress, I tell the world, you have to equate stress and hormones as being synonymous. Mm -hmm. Because when your body takes on a perception of something, it's not stressful until your hormones activate. Then it's, you feel it, right? Because your body is getting prepared for battle. It's getting prepared for rejection. It's getting prepared for defense of something. So when you suspend your breathing, people hold their breath. There's one that it was used in schools in New Jersey in the United States. It's called four, seven, eight breathing. Breathe in for four seconds. Hold for, breathe out for eight. The problem is when people are in duress, the stress is really high. And between being stressed, they're starting to fall into distress. The difference is stress, you, your brain can perceive there's a way out. Distress, there's no way out. Okay. So what happens is if you're going into distress and you suspend your breathing, people will hyperventilate, they'll freak out, you'll get too much sugar in there and people will overreact. Mm-hmm. Or if it was a police officer holding a guy, maybe he's got him in a choke. Yeah. He'll squeeze, you get accidentally kill somebody, the gun gets pulled by accident. Yeah. So when you suspend, the brain gets more desperate. 
Right. Most times, unless you're really, 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 really trained, like the movie American Sniper. Yeah, yeah. He spent a half hour in that movie, slowing down his breathing mm -hmm. to make one shot that has never been done in the United States of America military's history. So, and it was all based on breathing. He slowed his breathing down to slow his heart rate down, to slow his pulse rate down in order to have control of his index finger. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? The other side of that is when you do havening, what havening does, this is another podcast, what havening does is when people have trauma, they develop inside the center of their brain. The center of your brain is called your subcortical region of your brain. In that area, you have what is called your amygdala. It's the memory center that stores not only your memory of the details and events that cause a psychological, emotional trauma, but it also stores the emotion that goes with it. Okay. The emotion is actually stored in a little tiny receptor called the AMPA, A-M-P-A, AMPA receptor. And that receptor is in the amygdala. When the, when the brain takes in a signal that reminds the AMPA, reminds the amygdala of something that was connected or reminds you of the original insult that caused the trauma, the, uh, the amper yeah, receptor moves itself to the outside of the amygdala mm -hmm. and starts scanning territory, yeah. looking for more signals to see if you're at risk. When you do the havening, it actually resolves the activation of yeah. the amper receptor. Okay. Whereas slow breathing has nothing, won't do that. Okay. Slow breathing will bring your stress hormones down, but when the AMPA is out and it's hypervigilant, that's what hypervigilance is. Mm -hmm. And this thing's looking, you're, you're, you're stuck with it unless you come up with a technique. And that's what havening, if done right, with the right process, with the right triggers in the right sequence, can actually eliminate that receptor and disintegrate it and remove it wow. forever. Forever, right? Because I feel as though that that process of um, you know those receptors firing and wiring is stuff that you know someone like a Joe Dispenza talks about a lot, and you know the familiar response to to a, a stimulus that that's happened in the past. So you know we, without even thinking about it, we spend every single day behaving in a way that is just because of our familiar past, which eighty five percent of your behaviors yeah. are from your yeah responding yeah. your past. Yeah, 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 super interesting. I mean, Matt, we could, we could sit here and talk all day. I could, I could definitely sit here and talk with you all day. Before we wrap up, I'd, I'd love to hear maybe like a, a first-hand um, answer around like, you don't have to give a, give a name obviously because I'm, I'm sure privacy is a, is a big thing um, in the industry that you work in, but maybe like an example of someone's, state that they were in when when you started f first working with them and then the current state they're in now so like probably one of the be better examples that you've seen with working with yeah I'll, I'll give you a great one i have a i have a, a young lady in her 30s who was not able to be admitted into one hospital medical and nor medical nor psychiatric hospital in the entire state of new york no one would take her for what reason? she had been so assaultive assaultive and so erratic and so aggressive that they had, we were trying to find a place for her out of state 
when I when I got her as a as a client patient. Was that something from? Did, sorry to interrupt. Was that a uh, a result of like drug use or just a psychological problem or what? That's that's a great one. So trauma was number one, psychological trauma. But guess where the trauma came from? From the first time this person went to a psychiatric hospital, mm. the person was so mistreated, and then was ganged up on by other more aggressive client patients yeah. that her first time in a hospital caused her trauma. So every uh -huh. repeated, as you were saying, the, the memory of the insult, yeah. every time that she would get readmitted into a hospital, she would so. live the experience of the first hospital and then think in her body's reaction with glucose, I'm going to get to them before they get to me. Right. To the point where when I got her, she was on, nine psychiatric medications with nothing working. And I said to um, the person who referred her to me, a donor paid for all of her services. She didn't have any money. Right. And he said, would you make this a charitable case and I'll pay, but you know, could you help us out? And I did. I, and we did it. I said, I'll give you one year. And in one year's time, so I imaged her brain with a spec image and found her left temporal lobe had a lack of blood flow, which causes very irregular mood type disorders. Okay. So you may say, well, why did that happen? Well, that happened because I found that she had a really leaky gut. You know, she was not gluten free. She was eating anything she could get her hands on. She was full of mold. She had tons of mold in her. I ran mycotoxin wow. tests, found tons of mold that comes from wet buildings. And that mold was in her brain and it was in her gut. So I cleaned out all of her mold. I detoxed her gut from really bad bacteria that was ultimately potentially carcinogenic if she lived with that in her, in her, in her, in her colon for maybe 15 or 20 years. I cleaned that out. I uh, restored her gut, rebuilt her microbiome, rebuilt the digestive process with really good enzymes and what's called chelation. So that whole process there took six months. Then I cleaned her out for all metals. I found metals in her because she's in the city. Right. So in the city, when you're breathing pollution, yeah. all has an effect on your body. I went and took her, did a quantitative EEG, and I found in the beginning, as I was doing all these labs, that she had the same pattern of brain frequency as a person who was having a seizure. So now the question becomes, so what do you do about it? So the doctor who I worked very closely with gave her anti-seizure medicine called Lamictal. And we, we use a science where we built an algorithm with genetic testing and we could tell not only what medicine she needs, how many milligrams and how long it's going to take us to get there. She's only on one medication because this, this seizure activity is a biological weakness that she has. And it's coming from the left temporal lobe. Right. And we can't restore it. But that medicine, the Lamictal goes in and restores and balances that. She's completely cleaned out. She works full time. She lost 75 pounds in eight months. Wow. Um, absolutely amazing. And right now, she is training to be in a fitness show. Oh, um, awesome. She looks amazing. She looks amazing. And she's doing really, really well. And she no longer needs to be in a hospital, which is even 
the better part. Yeah. And the coolest <laughs> thing about it, Dan, is we we post-tested her. We ran it through all the same tests we did in the beginning mm -hmm. to see that everything's been resolved except for the left temporal lobe is is permanent. We, we okay. can't, we just couldn't fix it. So the, the she low, the low, low blood and oxygen supply to that. Yeah, she doesn't get enough blood flow to her left temporal lobe. And as okay. a result of that, and that's very common with people who have seizure disorder. Okay. So I thought we might be able to reverse that by getting all the metals out of her and all the mold. And we just couldn't. So she, if she goes off the medicine, she will have seizure-like activity, but not mental health type symptoms. Right. Which is Very great. interesting, man. It's crazy. It's uh, extremely, crazy. Powerful, extremely powerful stuff. And man, Dr. Barton, yeah, man. I uh, appreciate your time, man. I, I really do. Always Thank love you, man. Uh, when we Likewise. Get to have a chat. Um, and for those that are listening or watching at the moment, uh, we hope you have enjoyed this episode. If you have, we'd love for you to take a, a screenshot of this one, post up on your Instagram story, tag myself, tag Buzz. I'll have the links to his socials and the website and whatnot in the show notes today. Um, but I appreciate your time, man. Hey, Dan, can I say one thing? So I have a free stress workshop on April 4th. And you guys can look for the links and you can sign up even. It's free. Um, I have Facebook and Instagram, but everything's at Dr. Buzz, B-U-Z-Z, Minjin, M-I-N-G-I-N. Um, and you can even message me on, you know, Instagram, but it's uh, free. And, you know, I just want people to learn the tools. I want people to get better and... You know, I have a number of clients out in Australia, so I'm going to be out there sooner than later. But I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time and letting me on because the goal is to educate people so we can get them well, man. That's, that's always the goal. Lovely. Thank you. Thanks so much, mate. I appreciate your time. And uh, I think everyone would have taken a lot of value away from this episode. So I appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to catching you hopefully soon sometime. In yes, sir. Uh, looking forward to it, man. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, sir. Have a great one.